And uh, as you are, I'd invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of James. And uh, if you don't have a Bible of your own with you today, uh, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you that you can certainly use with page numbers on the screen. Uh, and we'd say if you don't have a Bible at all of your own, that uh, you should take that uh, as a gift from us to you to have as your own. And so we're going to be looking at various texts throughout uh, the book of James here this morning uh, as you turn there. Um, But as you do, I remember growing up as um, a little boy at my grandmother's house uh, where in the basement with all the cousins we had when we get together, one of those um, ancient, I mean ancient, stationary bikes. Uh, One that was so beat up and nasty, it was, I mean... You could hardly give the thing away, let alone make any money trying to sell it at a garage sale. It's just one of those things you're kind of stuck with. Uh, but this one, I think in its prime, was one of the top of the heap. Because on it, as archaic as it was, it actually had a speedometer to you know, basically represent who could go the fastest among the cousins. But one of the challenges in um, successfully achieving high speeds on this particular stationary bike was that uh, one of the pedals had broken off. And so there was one pedal and like this nub thing that you really couldn't get a grip on. And so in order to kind of jump that needle up to see how high you could get it, you'd literally sit on with one foot and just kind of pump it as fast as you could. And uh, it really became more of a stationary scooter if there was ever such a thing uh, than it was a bike. And so the reason I share this obscure illustration about a uh, one-pedaled bike is because uh, as we've been looking through the book of James over the last several weeks, uh, James has in many ways, illustratively, been warning us against uh, what you could say a one-pedaled approach uh, to our faith, a one-pedaled approach to following Jesus Christ. Uh, And so some of the texts we've looked at over the weeks that we're going to look at again today, for example, James 1. Uh, Right at the beginning, we were warned, don't just merely listen to the word of God. Don't just listening being that one pedal and so deceive yourselves, but also do what it says. We have to obey God's word as well, the other pedal. And in James chapter two, uh, last week, Pastor Wayne uh, reminded us how faith as one pedal, uh, without deeds, without action, uh, you know, this idea that just I have faith in my heart, but that's not practically lived out in, our, in the way that we live, in our hands and our feet, is really no faith at all. And uh, it's a faith that's dead, according to James. And so throughout the book, the thread that carries James is this idea of always reminding us that faith in Jesus Christ is like two pedals on a bike, that uh, as we push both hearing the word of God here together and in faith, we are also needing to push living that out. Otherwise, we're just deceiving ourselves if we think just sitting here together hearing God's word is what it means to follow Jesus Christ. We also need to be doers of God's word. And so that's what the Christian life uh, looks like. It's like two pedals on a bike. It's hearing and doing, hearing and doing, faith and action, faith and deeds as we follow Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we look at this and we look to apply God's word today, whether uh, you've been with us for the last six weeks or it's your first time, we want to help you in pushing both pedals in your life and in your faith. Um, and, And to do that, the message 
I think by the time we're done, we'll feel a little different than a typical message, uh, both because we're jumping around to different texts rather than just kind of staying with one. And also, uh, part of what we're going to look at today is going to invite you into what I call nerdy pastor world, uh, where when us nerdy pastors get around and talk about church life and how to do church um, and kind of some of those conversations, uh, I want to invite you into that uh, for the purpose of recognizing how you can be both a hearer and doer of God's word. Uh, in what it means for us all to be a part of those conversations, that every single one of us have a, a role to play to participate uh, in the family of God together in the church. And so that's what we're going to be looking at as we look at James and how to apply this book moving forward as we wrap up this series, because really that is the basis of this book. The base of James is action, because James is all about that base, <laughs> about that base. I know it's bad. <laughs> about the base or the basis of putting our faith into action, not just being hearers, but actually doers of God's word. And so to help you do that today, uh, we're gonna walk through pretty much getting practical right out of the gate. And so the first way, that we as a church can all participate in what uh, it means to be the family of God together, to be hearers and doers of God's word uh, as a church, is to first uh, serve together. Uh, around here we call it serving together. As the mission of First Christian Church is uh, to develop devoted followers of Jesus Christ by growing and serving together. That you could say really the goal, uh, the reason we are on the planet as a church is that top line, that idea of developing devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. But the means to that goal, the means to that end, as laid out in scripture, exists and happens by growing and serving together. Or, as we've illustrated, two pedals on a bike. Growing and serving, growing and serving. And not just doing that in isolation, but all together, that we're doing this life together as God's church. And so, um, James actually talks about this way of life. He actually talks about how when we serve together, it is a wise approach to your life. Uh, he states it this way in chapter three, verse 13. James asks, who is wise? Who is wise and understanding among you? Well, let them show it. Let them live it out by their good life by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And so for us, uh, for a full list of opportunities in which you can, as James says, humbly participate in doing good by serving together here at First Christian Church, um, on our church website, if you have access to that, uh, you can go to firstdecatur.org, and if you hover on uh, the little serve icon, you'll see uh, categorically areas where you can uh, explore more and read more about the different areas of serving together here in the life of the church. And then there you also see uh, I'm ready to serve button, where you can click on that and see a list of all these ministries and be able to communicate directly right to those ministry leaders to say, hey, I'm interested in hearing more about it. So that's always available to you 24 seven. Uh, and then also, if um, that's not amiable for you, uh, even in this uh, very building, as you exit the auditorium and kind of enter into the world, you'll notice before you get there, there's this wall. 
that says Get Connected, where on it you'll see all these little cards that represent all the various ministries that we have as a church. And so on the green side, uh, those are Grow Together Home Small Groups. But then what we're talking about today are the Serve Together side, uh, represented in blue, which are, again, all the ministries and little cards with a little description and contact information so that you can take those steps uh, to become uh, a Serving Together member of First Christian Church as, uh, honestly, uh, what it means to be a part of the life of this church, or frankly, any church, is that really there is no such thing as a non-serving together member of First Christian Church, or any church for that matter. And so we invite you to do that. We'll give you an opportunity uh, to even express some interest here uh, before you leave the service today. Uh, but one I want to highlight, and why I wish I could just start talking and sharing about the stories and the opportunities and things that are happening in so many different ministries, dozens of ministries. Uh, there is one I do want to bring to your attention today because it's a new one uh, that I want to share. And uh, you can find out about that on, uh, in your bulletin or your program. There's a little insert that says 10 plus men on it. And uh, this is a new initiative in reflection. Uh, if you've been with us, we have uh, this vision that uh, we believe God's led our church to, and that is that we want to reach 10% of our community over the next 10 years, uh, but really the idea being that we would then be able to have a greater impact on 100% of our community. And so uh, one of the ways in which particularly uh, we want our men to be engaged in that are what we're calling these 10 plus men uh, serving teams. And so the idea being that these serving teams would be comprised of somewhere in the neighborhood three to five or six men uh, who can be called on in times of need uh, for both people in our church and our community. Uh, for example, maybe a single parent who is uh, needing some extra help, maybe with some handyman projects, or uh, maybe a, a senior uh, among us who has some needed help in her or his home. Uh, or maybe uh, an Adopt-A-Block family. It's a ministry we have here that uh, needs some additional opportunities and some help in that. And so when the need uh, is brought to the attention of the church, then we can from there contact your team to see about your availability, and then your team sets up the time and date that best works uh, with that opportunity. And so uh, if you want to get engaged in that, you can fill this out uh, saying, I want to serve on a team. And if you already know some other guys that you'd want involved, you can voluntold them to be a part of it by literally just signing them up as well. Uh, and someone asked yesterday, you know, can, can sons and dads do this? I wish I'd said it first. Yes, absolutely. That would be a, one of the coolest things you could do is get um, your sons involved, uh, dads. And then, uh, you know, do they have to go to our church? No, I don't know if they go to, go to church at all because I don't know about you, but I have some guys in my life that if I invited them to sit shoulder to shoulder with me in church, that might be a stretch. But to go make a difference in someone's life, even if they don't fully understand why we're doing it, they could get on board for that. And so we're really excited about the multiple roads in which we can make an impact in our community uh, through the men of our congregation. And so last night, uh, we said we want, you know, I said, we want dozens, we're excited to have dozens of men uh, involved in this. And then Wayne pulled me aside after the service and he said, we're trying to reach our community, 10%. Try hundreds of men. We want hundreds of men on mission, doing this for the sake of Jesus Christ and reaching our community. And so uh, we invite you guys to, to fill those out and uh, we'll go from there. Because really what this is, this is putting rubber to road, action to our faith, um, doers of the word that we're hearing. Uh, and very specifically in James, uh, he says we can do it this way because in uh, chapter one, verse 27, James talks about our faith in this way. He says, religion, which is just another word for basically saying faith and action, 
that our religion, that our faith in action, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Or in other words, to look after those who are in most need. And so we're excited about uh, the opportunity to do that very specifically with the guys from our church or even outside of the church. And then, uh, then naturally from there, uh, just uh, on the flip side of that, um, that insert there, you'll notice that if you know of a need or have a need here in this room today, that you can share that as well. And uh, so you've got both sides of the, uh, the, the form there to fill out. And then here in the days ahead, as we put the teams together, uh, we'll match up some of the opportunities. And uh, one more other little disclaimer, because something I know that we all ask, it's like, okay, if I sign up, what kind of level of commitment should I expect? Am I getting called every weekend or what should we look like? And uh, the goal would be to start off that each team would serve somewhere in the area of two to three times a year would be the goal. But if your team is available less or more, we can work with you from there. But that's kind of what we're thinking to start off. So enough about that. Again, that's just one of literally dozens and dozens of serving opportunities that, uh, again, to all be part of the family of God here together at First Christian. And so that's one way that we can put our faith into action through serving together through these various ministries in the church. A second way uh, that we can be doers of God's word, put our faith into action, uh, I would say in my 11 years here is probably one of the most unique serving opportunities I've ever heard of in a church. And I'll, uh, uh, if I can kind of build the case, I'll explain it this way. Um, if you've been with us, again, any length of time, and if you, if you haven't, you know, we have this uh, vision to accomplish the mission and reaching and making devoted followers of Jesus Christ through this vision of 10, reaching 10% of our community to have a greater impact on the 100%. And as we move forward to this, uh, we've already begun conversations with uh, other churches and ministries because it's not about just our you know, specific church. It's about other churches. It's about our community coming together to do this. And so we're excited to share some of those partnerships that are coming in the days ahead. Um, but we also recognize that we do have a responsibility even with the wider community right here in our own uh, setting as well. And so one key part in being able to move the vision forward for reaching our community is literally allowing in this room, uh, in this worship service, uh, the opportunity for people to take those first steps of faith by coming into this room and participating in a weekend worship service. However, one of the challenges that we face in that is that our services um, are already filling up because, you know, 10 isn't about 10 years somewhere down the road. 10 is already happening. You all are already inviting your friends and your family members and some of you are newer among us. And so it's already happening. Um, and the reality is, is that when people want to come uh, is one of the most challenges time to find a seat, uh, which is particularly this service and the 1050 service after, that these services are essentially full. Now, you might say, literally looking around today, I see some seats. I don't know what you're talking about. You need to change your sermon because it's not full today, um, which is true. There is some room here today, and you might even say, you know, frankly, there's plenty of room in the 5 p.m. and tons of room in the 8 a.m. if you've been to that. And so um, let me kind of address both of those. First, the reality is, when it comes to reaching uh, our community through a weekend service, um, a rule of thumb is, is that a church service, or a church in general, will never be able to grow larger than the space available in the service that people most want to attend. 
Does that make sense? That we are only able to grow as large as our most popular service. And for us, we have two of them. It's the 920 and the one following the 1050. Those are when people, particularly guests, those who, you know, it's talking about this hearing and doing of God's word, those who most need to hear God's word so that they can become doers of God's word, those who most need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, they show up and want to show up to church at the time when it's already most full. And so it's going to be hard to reach our community if they can't find a seat. Now, the second objection was, again, I, technically, we can get some more people in this room, uh, you know, based on the seats that you see around you. But there's another rule of thumb when it comes to reaching people uh, through a worship service, and that's what they call the 80% rule, in that it says you will only be able to sustainably grow a service uh, up to 80% full in a room, uh, to which you might say, and which I actually said when I first heard this, that's the dumbest rule I've ever heard until I started relating it to other areas of American life. For example, if you've ever been with seven adults in a seven-passenger minivan, nobody wants to be the seventh adult in the middle bench seat in the back. Not the spot to be in. Uh, or for example, if you've ever been camping with four men and a four-man tent. I better be in Antarctica needing their body heat for survival if I'm gonna sleep with four men in a four-man tent. And so we get it in those spaces, but again, you look around and you're like, I don't know that applies to a worship service. And so to help um, bring some understanding to the context that we face here today, uh, I'm gonna to need a volunteer here this morning. Uh, and I'm looking for someone. Jay, would you volunteer? <laughs> Jay and I go way back, um, like since seventh grade. No, ninth, no, I think ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade. And so I think Jay is, even though he could take me out, is the least likely to punch me in the face as a result of this. So come on up, Jay. And um, what I'm gonna share is uh, essentially uh, from a guy by the name of Gary McIntosh, who is the, the guru when it comes to this kind of topic and what we do with church services and things like that. And so Jay, I'm gonna invite you to take a seat on my church pew there all the way on the end. And uh, yeah, get yourself an armrest, nice and cozy. And uh, I'm going to read to Jay and to all of our friends here, make some room uh, for uh, how this 80% rule works. Okay, the experts say this, that the 80% rule, basically this rule states that when an area such as an auditorium becomes 80% full, growth begins to decline. Now, why does this 80% rule seem to hold up? Well, a number of years ago, anthropologist Edward T. Hall conducted a pioneer, pioneering study on the effects of distance in relationships. He identified four main body spaces and labeled them intimate, personal, social, and public. Now, the public zone is the distance at which pastors and teachers and lecturers most often stand in relation to their audience, about 12 feet or more between, I lost my spot, about 12 feet or more between the speaker and the listener. The social zone is the distance we often stand apart when we are in a small group setting. This zone is between four and 12 feet and is suitable for fairly impersonal exchanges such as meetings or interviews. The personal zone 
is within the normal touching range of another person. About 18 inches to four feet. People often attempt to protect their personal zones by placing handbags, coats, or other barriers between themselves and others. <laughs> the intimate zone. <laughs> the intimate zone is the distance needed for embracing. We allow only family members or close friends into this zone. For North Americans and Europeans, any invasion by strangers into this zone causes mental and physical anxiety, <laughs> irritation, and fear. <laughs> when attendance in a worship service exceeds 80% capacity, people are forced into an uncomfortably close seating arrangement. The 80% rule comes into play because often the personal and even intimate zones of worshipers are invaded. Of course, people will tolerate being in close proximity for a short while, but eventually the tension created through the invasion of their personal and intimate zones, catch this, forces them to avoid the venue. And so the attendance in a worship service for example, will slide back down as some people attend less often and others depart to relieve the tension. While attendance may exceed 80% for a while, it will do so just temporarily before declining. And candidly, we've already seen that bounce happen here over the last uh, month and a half here together. In your worship service, 80% full is uncomfortably full. And new people, guests, um, 10, those who most need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, new people feel that if there is no open chair for them, they will rarely return to worship again. I'll give a little hand for my friend Jay. And so in response to this, uh, some of you have seen and know that we do have plans for a future auditorium, larger auditorium on the southeast corner of uh, the campus here. Uh, and then even in the more soon uh, opportunity, we are right now uh, in the process of uh, converting what was the activity center into a new student center, a new venue both for our high school uh, kids as well as um, you know, at the 1050 hour, as well as making that a second worship service venue for adults in our church as well. And so um, we've got all the details yet to work out on exactly how that will look, and we are diligently working to get that completed here over the next few months. But in the meantime, uh, like, like today, like the now, uh, and for the next few months until we're able to get into that second room, we encourage everyone here, to be doers of the word, to live out your faith, and to serve in a second and very unique way. That as we aim uh, to reach our community, that, again, 10 is already happening, it's not someday, somewhere, but right now, that today you can actually reach and serve our community through the service you attend. That you can serve, you can literally serve 
and reach our community through the service that you attend. And that we are asking for those of you who are able um, to make a pledge. To make a pledge to worship primarily in either the 8 a.m. or the 5 p.m. service. And even the 5 p.m. is starting to get a little full. So the 8 a.m. probably being the most opportunistic. Uh, That if you're in a situation where you could participate for three months in one of those services for the sake of 10, for the sake of reaching our community, for the sake of, as Pastor Wayne painted uh, in the uh, State of the Church sermon at the beginning of the year, for the sake of the faces who aren't yet but will be in future baptism videos, would you take that pledge? Knowing that every seat that we make available in our most popular services um, is one seat for those uh, guests who may not have what we have to attend and hear the same thing. Now, a couple of disclaimers to this pledge. First off, we recognize that we've set ourselves up for a little bit of failure in this and that we have set up kids programming to go coincide with these services. And so if you have kids, uh, you know, you can do the five o'clock, but if you have kids and uh, teenagers, the well, varsity, you know, 1050 is when their stuff happens. And so please don't misunderstand. We want you to keep coming uh, to these services in those instances, if that's what um, your schedule dictates or for other reasons, or even if you do make the pledge, you know, say, okay, I'm going to try to come to the 8 a.m. as much as possible, but you miss your alarm or something like that. Don't not come. I mean, as much as we want this place to be the safest, most accessible place for non-Christians to experience what Christianity is about, this space is still for Christians to be worshipers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, each week to gather together. And so please continue to come. And so um, for that, those reasons and for others, a third way that we can all serve and reach our community through the services is actually not just only through the service you attend, but regardless of what service you attend, the way that you attend service. And so thirdly, you can serve and reach our community simply by the way that you attend even this service. Here's how you can do that. Big idea, recognize that if you are among us, you are not a guest, but a host. That you are, that we are all together hosts. And you might say, well, actually, It's my first time, so I'm a guest. Uh, Well, if you come back next week, you're a regular. So uh, (laughs) that's how preachers count. You know, we're gonna get everything we can. And so uh, we'd invite you again, all of us, to act not as guests, but as hosts. And while we officially have a hospitality team that does a great job greeting and ushering, uh, we all unofficially are hospitality. We are all hosts. And just as we would host someone in our own home, Uh, we want to host people in in God's house, in God's home as well. We want to give our best for our guests. And so a couple of ways that you can attend better uh, and thus host uh, are these ways in which you can be hospitable. First, you can attend service better by choosing your seat intentionally. You can choose your seat intentionally by, first, choosing a seat closer to the front of the room rather than, then to the back. And then when you choose that seat, choose a seat closer to the middle rather than on the ends. Now, I'm feeling the pinch of that as much as anyone. The only reason I sit on the front is because I work here. I love sitting in the back. And I also love sitting on the end because we've got a problem. We've got like a 15 to one P 
people to armrest ratio going on. And so I'm always kind of nuzzled up in that corner, get my arm on that rest. And so I feel the angst a little bit of not being able to get out as easily and, and things like that. Um, however, when we have the eyes of hosts rather than guests, we recognize that, you know, many people, like, you know, they don't have their unspoken assigned seats kind of like we do, and they haven't been able to navigate the childcare gauntlet as awesome as we have who are around here more often. And so it takes them a little longer, and they tend to be, uh, guests are the ones who maybe come in a little later, and uh, when you walk into a service or any setting where you have the sense, again, that it's full because everyone's standing up towards the back and the outskirts of the, uh, of the room, all of a sudden an 80% room full feels like 110% full just because of the sense that there's no opportunity to find a seat. And so sit intentionally, try to sit to the closest to the front as possible and also towards the middle. And then from there, uh, again, unofficially as a host, act as an usher. Keep your eyes out for those who are looking around for that needle in a haystack we call an open seat around here on some weekends. And, and invite them in to sit next to you, introduce yourself and host them well. And then thirdly, if feasible, park far away. Um, if you were here last week, Pastor Wayne actually mentioned this, uh, this takeaway in his message that uh, we could try to park far away, those who are physically able and, and willing to kind of make a game of it, maybe even see how far you can park away. Uh, but prior to coming to that service, um, he gave us permission, I don't know if he's in the service, but Tim Niebergy uh, was coming to the 1050, and uh, as he was walking in, he, anyway, he sent this email to Wayne uh, after the service. He says this, uh, Mr. Kent, I would like to tell you about something very funny regarding your sermon today. I was able to get the very closest, sweetest parking spot at the 1050 service today. I had a slight guilty feeling about it, but I turned my truck off anyway. And so my family gets out of the truck and starts walking into the church. I'm looking around to ensure that my actions would be okay. As we get a little closer, a couple also heading in started giving me a hard time, all in good fun, about my parking decision. We laughed it off, entered the building, and found our usual seat. Then, your sermon included a message about leaving those close parking spaces for guests. I wanted to melt away into the pew. After the service, that same couple finds me in the hall, and we got an even better laugh out of the situation. And what's most humbling is actually, this is the second time that I had gotten that great parking spot on a day where you had preached about parking farther away. <laughs> I am humbled. So I hope this finds you in good humor as it did me. Signed, Tim. And so for Tim, hopefully today, as they say third time's the charm. You know, it's cool. I've actually seen it at some churches where they actually, um, you know, almost like handicap signs, they put up these signs that say, you know, guest parking only uh, for their guests. Uh, but even in thinking about that, I thought, you know, how cool would it be to be the kind of church that would never need those signs because we all, as much as we were able, parked as hosts, making the upfront spots available for our guests in mind, wanting the best for them. Because really, this is what James is calling us to be and to do. Uh, James actually speaks very specifically to, um, ironically, it couldn't have been any better being in the book of James. He talks about the way in which we attend worship services together in James chapter two. And so to this end, he talks about it, uh, saying it this way. He says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. 
Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, hey, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or uh, sit on the floor next to my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, while the context speaks specifically here to a a socioeconomic type setting, uh, really, when we think about, for many of us in this room, we have what you could say are eternal riches, eternal treasure in having a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And the reality that a guest among us may yet not. And so rich in Christ, and as hosts of Christ in his house, we want to naturally then give our best to our guests. I heard it said this way when it comes to church being done like this. Um, I don't remember who said it, and I couldn't find it. But he said something to the fact that when church is being done right, when church is being the church that it's supposed to be for the sake of its community, he says this, he says, the church is the only organization on the planet that exists primarily for the benefit of its non-members. Isn't that a beautiful understanding of what the church is to be in a community? That we would exist primarily for those who aren't yet members of Christ's family of a church. And so you can literally, you can literally reach and serve our community simply through the service you attend as you're able, but that regardless of the service that you're in, through the way that you attend that service with eyes of a host rather than eyes as a guest. And so, in all candor, as I was writing this message and I got to this point, I started to feel this angst. Um, this concern, uh, as I'd gotten to this point, that as I looked at what I had written thus far, it, the concern was, wow, Brian, is this, is this a sermon or is this a glorified set of announcements? As, you know, serve together and, you know, you know serve our community through the service you attend and whenever you attend, attend better, uh, these, these indictments on what we should be doing. And so, as I began, honestly, just second-guessing my approach a little bit this morning, I went back to the scriptures. I went back to the very thing which we base everything we believe and do on, and I went back to James. And I read James, and I realize, oh yeah, this is exactly what James is saying. James is announcing to us as readers, don't just be readers, don't just be hearers of God's word, but get to it, be doers of God's word, because faith without action is dead. That's what James is all about reminding us that there is no separation between what we sit and believe and what we go and do. Um, That what we believe informs and dictates thus everything we are to do. Or as we said earlier, like two pedals on a bike, hearing and doing, faith and action, growing and serving. And so any sermon that calls us to action Uh, as its primary piece within the message, is always going to be, according to James, an appropriate message within the context of a church service. And so that was my first concern, which I 
feel better about now. Um, the second concern that dawned on me, because frankly the concern has already been communicated, and uh, maybe you've, if you haven't said it, maybe you've thought it, and uh, it's, it's this concerned question of, of some of you, and that is when you know, with all this talk about 10, about reaching our community, about, you know, building a children's facility and a second auditorium and a future bigger auditorium, the question that has been asked is, is this all about numbers? Is, is this all about growing a bigger church? And I'll, I'll, I'll try to respond to that this way. Um, if, if you'll allow me just to briefly share my own story. Uh, I didn't grow up going to church. Um, actually had no interest in going to church. Uh, but for over a year, I had a friend of mine invite me for, uh, again, over a year before I finally agreed to go to his church, Dutch Fort Christian Church in Columbia, South Carolina, where they were intentional. They were prayerful and they were absolutely committed to reaching others for Jesus Christ. And I showed up to that church in a season I found out after the fact where that church had literally tripled in numbers over the course of just two years. Uh, to which, I guess in fairness, you could say, I was one of those numbers. I was one of those numbers who has a life that is now transformed both in this life and for all of eternity. And, and so to the question, is it, is, it, is it about numbers? Is it all about numbers? Yeah. From my perspective, it is. Because I'm one of them. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those numbers. I'm one of those stories because every number has a story. I'm one of those stories. You are one of those stories. And the people who aren't yet here are one of those stories. A story of a life and an eternity transformed by Jesus Christ. And so, really zooming out when it comes to all these things that we're talking about today, honestly, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about us as a church and what it's gonna look like in the days ahead because uh, in my 11 years here, and frankly for years, many years prior to that, this church has always done whatever it has to do um, to accomplish the mission of reaching people for Jesus Christ. And I've watched that you all will do, you will give, you will sacrifice whatever it takes for the sake of God's kingdom here on earth and what he's trying to do here in our community through this church. And so with that, I'm confident that you and we and us, we will continue to serve together. We will continue to pray. We will continue to give generously. We will continue on that mission, one step at a time, of growing and serving to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ that we might in the act of that invite others to on that same journey. And so with that understanding in mind, uh, the worship team is actually gonna come back out and they're gonna, they're gonna sing and lead us in a song that uh, is really for your hearing more than you're certainly willing to participate, but I want you to listen to the words as it really encompasses all that James has been calling us to do over um, the course of these last six weeks. And... Uh, really in participation of what the song's calling, we're gonna ask everyone um, to participate, again, to be hearers and doers of God's word and serving together as a church. And so to do that, if you can grab from your program uh, that tear-off card that on the one side, Pastor BJ said it says connect, but on the other side, there's something for all of us to complete. It says next step. And again, 
there is no such thing as a non-serving together member of First Christian Church. And so if you haven't been able to take that step to get involved in a ministry, this is your invitation to express some interest in an area where you uh, could possibly serve and get connected with um, that ministry leader. Um, you might look at that list and be like, I don't have a clue. And so there's a box there that says, I would like to talk with someone about where I could best serve together. And then also we recognize some of you already serve in like 17 ministries. Uh, and so that's okay. We wanna hear and celebrate that with you. And so there's a spot, probably not for 17, but maybe a couple that we just love to hear where you're serving and celebrate that with you. And so um, go ahead and tear that off your program. Uh, if you are a lover of trees and you only grabbed one program for you and your company about you, don't worry, we uh, killed off a few more trees. And put in the pew rack in front of you a white slip that represents exactly what's on the bulletin uh, tear off. And so we want everyone to grab this. And uh, as we listen and are ministered to both by this song and some uh, just some captured images of what we've been doing again over the years to serve and to serve our community as we stand on the shoulders of that going forward. We want you to watch that, listen to this, and we want everyone to fill this out as the ushers at the end of the service will be at the back of the room, both upstairs and down uh, with baskets to receive this. And if you don't drop one in, they'll give you the stink eye. So you might as well go ahead and fill it out uh, before you go. So you can fill that out. And also if you uh, um, sign up for the 10 plus men serve together ministry. So let me pray for us in this. And uh, we'll uh, go from there. Heavenly Father, you know, with all this talk about uh, doing and action and serving, um, we are reminded, and may we be reminded, that we don't do any of this for your love, to earn your love. Um, but as it says in James, that every good gift uh, comes from you, and you've given us the greatest gift in Jesus Christ, uh, that you've given us grace that we're already approved through him. And so we don't do any of this for your love, but instead as a loving heavenly father whom we trust, who has our best at heart, we want to do these things from your love, out of your love, that we could then appropriately share that love with others uh, in our community who so desperately need it. And so would you just lead us here over these next few moments to, uh, to fill out these, these sheets appropriately uh, as you lead us uh, both as individuals and again together, serving together as your church. We ask this in Jesus' name.